Welcome into the WCIA 3 in 1 podcast is finally after a month of waiting, a month of build up, we're talking about this game so long. Illinois football plays in the ReliQuest Bowl, their biggest bowl game since 2008, their first Florida bowl game since 1999. And it was kind of a dud in the end. Illinois falls to Mississippi State 19 to 10, the final. Uh, Andy Olson and Brett Barron's with you on tonight's podcast. I think Brett, in uh, his package, I, I believe, put it really well, or at least what he said earlier today, uh, is that it it wasn't a one-score game, but it felt like one. It, it was it was a nine-point game, but because of that final play, that last second, the pitchy-pitchy woo-woo, as That's we right. like to call it, uh, Mississippi State ends up scoring on that when really it was a should have been another one-possession loss for Illinois this season. All their games coming on one possession. Brett, it's another L. Illinois finishes the season 8-5. and five. You were there. Take us into the stadium. I mean, what did you see while you were there? First of all, you've been there all week. We could talk about a plethora of things, but let's focus on the game for the moment. Uh, seemed like nice weather and a little bit of a boring game for the most part, at least in the first half. Yeah, it wasn't like the necessarily most aesthetic pleasing game with a bunch of points like I thought it would be I I figured both teams would get into the 20s and we'd have some back and forth and you know it's that be a 7-3 game at half you're kind of like ah not, not really what most people signed up for with the two picks give the defense credit for that because I thought they stepped up and really uh well it was interesting they didn't put much pressure on Will Rogers no sacks they did force him from the pocket. Rodgers still had all day to throw in the first half, especially. And he still threw two picks, which tells me just how good the secondary was. But, you know, I, I kind of walked around at half and went like, man, this is just not a very flowing game. Uh, like I had expected it to be with the offenses. But I thought also, Andy, it was right where Illinois wanted it. This was a Brett Bielema type game where it's 7-3 and he's, challenging the last play of the first half for two seconds back. He needed those two seconds. It it was dumb. What did it do except prove that they had screwed up with the refs? That's that's the only way I took it. It was Brett Bielema trolling the refs saying, like, you screwed up. Give me my two seconds back. Yeah. Uh, At least they ran a play. I thought they were just going to kneel it there and I get the two (laughs) seconds just to kneel it. I, I don't know what the point of that was. But anyway, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a lame first half. The Tommy DeVito touchdown uh, was a solid drive there uh, where they actually were able to capitalize off the interception. The second pick from Kendall Smith, the first one from the freshman Matthew Bailey. Uh, defense turning into offense there. And then it's 10-10. The third quarter was just nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, there was literally like nothing that happened in the third quarter of relevance except for the fact that that Michigan State, cheapers, it's been a long day. (laughs) Mississippi State drives at the end of the third quarter, about to score, run the final play of the third quarter. They wait the first couple plays of the fourth quarter. First play, actually, is the touchdown on fourth and two from the eight. And you're like, whoa, okay. Like, you know, it's a brand-new ball game there at 10-10. And from that point on, like, just being in the stadium – it really felt like Mississippi State was going to win the game. 
their fans were behind him. They had plenty to play for. I think that's one of the biggest questions coming in. How would they respond after Mike Leach's pass last month? And I thought overall they, they responded really well. The fans were behind him. There was all these tributes in the stadium to Mike Leach. And, and rightfully so. I, all of that was warranted. And I thought all of that was really well done, including his big picture on the pirate ship, which was uh, pretty cool. And, you know, Illinois punts uh, late in the fourth quarter. It just was kind of like mush, you know? After the momentum of the DeVito touchdown in the second quarter, it, just, it was just mushy to me. Why was that? Why, why was the offense bad today, in your opinion? I think we can say that with a, a lot of confidence, that the offense was pretty bad today. It, it was not great. And DeVito's numbers, like, in my eyes, aren't particularly terrible, but they're not good. Um, you know? And so, like... Where do you kind of leave it at? You know, I thought he to to get sacked uh, seven times like that is significant. Yeah. You know, thought he held on to the ball way too long. Uh, didn't make great decisions in terms of getting it out. Just, hey, live to play another down. Um, you know, I, it just he didn't have a great finale. You know, it, it's not like Tommy DeVito left riding high with Illinois and when you lose four out of your last five and you know all those are one score and like it or not it's part of playing the position like those are going to come down to the quarterback could the quarterback will you on a drive to get whatever you need to get done late and Illinois wasn't able to do that and regardless like okay what are we really going to remember like this is kind of what I was thinking about when I was writing my story tonight, the bowl game, yes, like we need to talk about that. Certainly that was the newsworthy part of today. But the bigger part of this whole thing is that the season ended today, but the season ended very similarly to how the last five games ended. <laughs> I mean, take out Northwestern in there, and like this was the same script. And that's really notable moving forward. They have to find a way to win games late. Like Michigan, they have to be able to beat teams like Michigan State on their home field and Purdue. If, if you're going to be a program that is nationally relevant, that's ranked, that's a legitimate team that playing in a January bowl game, and I'm not saying that Illinois is not because I think they are. I think they were deserving. But you have to be able to win those close games. That's the bigger thing to me that we're going to remember. You know, this time next year, we're really going to remember that um, – Isaiah Williams had a great day in the bowl game. Well, maybe, but like I think the biggest takeaway is that Illinois once again found a way to lose late. Well, until they play Toledo on their home turf again to start the 2023 season, it's all <laughs> anyone's going to be talking about was, yeah. man, Illinois really could not close out games at the end of last season. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts were about the run game, and I, we won't keep this completely offensive-focused, but without Chase Brown, I feel like it was significant. They go Reggie Love slash Josh McRae for the most part today. We didn't see uh, any of the freshmen uh, in Lawfrey or Jordan Anderson in there today. So, Brett, what did what did you think about that pairing, and do you think that could be the 2023 lineup in the backfield? Yeah, Reggie Love got the start. Levin carries 40 yards. McRae, 7 for 17. I mean, when we compare it to Chase Brown, it's not noteworthy there. I thought both guys ran hard. 
I thought McCray would get some more carries than that. And maybe it was just how the game was dictated there. But, you know, I would have liked to have seen both of those guys probably with a few more carries. Um, I don't know if I can say they got away from the run, but, like, combined they had uh, – and, and Tommy carried the ball ten times as well. Now, a lot of that was him just not throwing the ball away. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, look, his carry is is the sack in there. and It's like, you, you got to get rid of that thing, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure that's like a fair criticism there uh, because that's more on Tommy in my eyes than even the offensive line. Like, I don't even feel like – and I'd, you'd have to go back and watch it, but like how many of those sacks were really on the offensive line and how many of them were on Tommy to just be like, hey, dude, get rid of the ball? Um, and how many of that is on the receiver to get open? But, you know, Isaiah t- touching the ball nine times, I feel like that's about right. That's what it should be. Casey Washington, nine receptions. Okay. You know, like that's mm-hmm. pretty high for him. But, like, this wasn't a running back 34 times like we'd seen with Chase Brown. You know what I mean? And Reggie Love and Josh McCray are Chase Brown. But even then, they only combined for 18 carries felt like they needed to maybe stick with the run a little bit more and see what they could give you but uh, it wasn't anything like groundbreaking where you feel great about next year there's gonna be some competition there and if I had to pin it right now I'd, I'd probably say Josh McCray is the starting running back against Toledo do you think that this is really quick just before we move on from the running backs either of those two freshmen I named or new freshmen coming in Caden Fagan do you think they're gonna have a shot to possibly see some time considering that with McCrae really being out this year love not getting that many touch touches almost the entirety of the rushing game needs to be replaced uh going into 2023 yeah I mean I think they're gonna one of those guys is gonna have to step up now who that is I'm not sure I think if Lawfrey is healthy they'd like to use him in some different scenarios so you're not just you know hey out of the backfield maybe he can play you know, in the slot or do some different things. I I think it's probably Anderson if I had to say right now, but we don't know. I mean, he didn't he didn't play this year, so honestly, we don't have a great idea going into that. But um, I I think I'd be hard pressed to say it's going to be Caden Fagan, but you know, it's it's going to be those two. I, I think right now I feel very confident that Love and McCray are your two best running backs going into next year, and how they split that up and divvy it up uh, is a big question. For me, this offseason, that's one of the things I'm going to be most uh, questioning. That's one of my biggest question marks going into to next season. Let's turn to defense now. Uh, two of Illinois' most important secondary members, Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, opting out of this one, not playing. So, some different guys getting into the lineup in, in this one. Xavier Scott and uh, Tyler Strain are, are two guys that really stood out to me. Uh, guys that had really not seen the field before strain did a little bit when Nicholson had gotten injured and Taz not playing in this one either. Um, but each one of them, I felt like had moments today where you can see that it, this secondary could be fine. You know, even I don't want to say better, but maybe as good as it was this year in 2023. Yeah. There's going to have to be some guys stepping up because you're going to lose Kendall Smith and in, in his five interceptions this year. You're going to lose Quan Martin. Uh, and, and you mentioned already Sydney and, and Devin is the biggest two players in that. The ones we don't know, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, 
What do you think? Those guys come back next year? Like just overall gut feeling. Gut feeling says yes right now, but I could see it going either way. I think Johnny goes and Keith stays. Uh, I think Keith has a lot more to prove and gain coming back. I'm just not sure Johnny's going to improve his stock that much more. I think he's probably a third through fifth round draft pick and good for him. I mean, you know, I, I just, with the baby and everything else, I just, I just see him going. But if he does stay and you do get Keith back, you feel really good about what's coming back there in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was the heat today, which it was warm. I'm not going to lie. Temperatures were pushing 80 degrees and it was 90 plus percent humidity. But we saw a lot of guys running in there, especially on the defensive line. Said McConnell getting some big time minutes in there as well. Um, and and they were running a lot of different guys in there with Bryce Barnes playing quite a bit. We just haven't seen those guys play as much as they did today. And I wonder if that was to get them some more experience or it was because of the heat or a combination of both. But I thought Xavier Scott played pretty well with six tackles and a breakup. And and Matt Bailey continues to just impress. And talking with him after the game, he just said, man, his confidence is sky high. And, and it should be. With the freshman year he had with three interceptions to come in and make an impact and now know that he can slot in there as Sid 2.0 dude almost looks like him it's kind of scary and if he puts the time in in the weight room he's got the type of frame that can be like a Sid just ripped and if you remember he should have had four interceptions he dropped one in his very first college game yeah like one of the first plays he ever played and he had a pick and he and he dropped it pretty crazy so I I, I'm not going to say they're going to be the number one scoring defense in the country again like they were coming into bowl season but why can't they be top 25 I mean I think that's the new standard and if you can keep guys like Johnny and Keith and get more productivity from Gay Backus and Matt Bailey, Tariq Barnes sticks around and Seth Coleman comes back and continues to emphasize the pass rush, uh, they're, they're going to be okay. Yeah, I think linebacker is going to be an interesting spot as well. There's so many members of that secondary that you need to replace. You have no idea who the safeties are going to be as all of them are going to be going uh, you imagine that Taz sticks as one of your corners. Um, I would would not be surprised to see one of the freshmen coming in, uh, Sabor Kareem, challenging for uh, one of those starting cornerback spots as well. The dude is just he, he's just so much better. He's the best athlete on the field. I feel like every time he steps on to onto the field. So I would not be surprised to see Kareem being one of the names that's you know, floated around as a, a, a true freshman getting a lot of minutes and, and time on the field next year, too. Yeah, and if it's going to be somebody, it's probably in the defensive backfield yeah. where somebody can come and make an impact. And and why not? Like, they're going to need some playmakers to come in there and do some things right away if they want to continue this run uh, next year. And, look, I, I don't know. Look, I, I think going into year three as we look big picture, Andy, Bowl should be the goal again. Like, I don't think that's necessarily out of the question. Uh, there's certainly question marks. Is Luke Altmeyer going to be as good as Tommy DeVito? Probably not. Is the defense going to be as good as they were this year? Probably not. But if you can get somewhere in between what they were in year one under Brett and what they were this year, sure, why can't you win six, seven games? And if you can learn to win a couple of those games late, Maybe you're back in that 7-8 win category. Uh, 
I don't know. I just I, I think the bar has definitely been raised. And talking to the players after the game, they feel that same way, that they're elevating the standard. And I think when we look at it and take a step back, the disappointment of the end of the season, but still to have eight and four, like this was a truly historic season. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was the best season in 15 years. And really the – so if you count this season seven in 2001 – so if you're dating back to 21 years, this is the third best season in 21 years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's the historical perspective that I think is really important to have. And it's all in year 200 Brett Bielema. Now, in the same time, it's a heck of a lot easier to build now than it was even five years ago when Lovey Smith came in and went youth movement because he didn't have the transfer portal. Couldn't go get all these guys that you can get now and do things that you can. But that's Bielema taking advantage of the situation, the hand that he's been dealt, and making the most of it. And I think that's something to be commended for what they've been able to do in this short amount of time. As you were watching the game today, did you get any sort of sense of the defense playing different, being different with Aaron Henry leading the way now and Ryan Walters out to Purdue? I I mean, I, I can't imagine that things will change much next year with him and Chargers, but I feel like that's also going to be one of the big question marks of the offseason. What will the defense look like with Aaron Henry in charge? And, and today kind of was just maybe a little preview of what that could be. Yeah, I asked Aaron Henry that earlier this week here in Tampa. What does an Aaron Henry defense look like? And in a roundabout way, he said, very much like a Ryan Walters defense. I think they're going to be aggressive. They're going to continue to try and build on what the standard is that Walter's set here. And it's going to be trickier, though, to go about it because you don't have a guy on an island like Devin Witherspoon. You, you know, you're going to lose guys like Isaac D'Archangelo, who was the top tackler this season. Um, you know, you're, you're going to potentially lose a guy like Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph up the middle, and you certainly lose Sid on your back end, plus Quan, plus Kendall, like, Okay, go to, go earn your money, Aaron. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's gonna have to be some adjustment. The biggest thing and difference in my eyes, Andy, is they they just they're not going to be able to be as aggressive. Mm-hmm. You just can't if you don't have the studs uh, that are proven there. I just don't know how you can be as aggressive. Like how can you have that much trust in those guys? And you can maybe have the trust, but then for them to be able to go do it is a completely different thing. And so we'll see how it plays out. But that would be my first look at it is like they were super aggressive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this team played man, cover zero, blitzed, aggressive stunts all the time. And it worked and good for them. But they also had some straight up dudes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like program record for interceptions this season at 24 is remarkable. But you can't do that if you don't have some just studs, and they did. We don't know. Maybe they do next year. Maybe they have those guys, but they're unproven right now. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. You've been there all week. What's been your favorite part of uh, covering this Illini team and their lead-up to the ReliQuest Bowl? I don't know if there's, like, one specific moment, but I was telling Jeremy Warner this before our pregame show today. I've really just enjoyed watching the team have fun, you know, like 
nobody knows how much work these these guys put in and this coaching staff. You know what I mean? And and we hear them talk about, oh, it's a reward for a bowl game, but like, you know, to see Isaiah Williams explain to me what the roller coaster meant to him to go on that, you know, to see a couple of the guys at the beach relax and then they didn't have very long there. It was just a couple hours, but you know, like, hey, that was cool. Um they went bowling. The like seeing Paucho arrive in Tampa knowing like this was his last week of college football after you know all these years it's pretty cool you know and we we get to know these guys and we're around them and it's pretty fun to see them enjoying themselves and all the ancillary stuff and the game didn't work out so it's not as cool like those memories aren't as you know memorable in a sense because you didn't win the game but like for me, that that's really cool to be a part of that and see that and, and be around. I'm not a part of it, but like to be around it and and just witness them having a lot of fun and, and seeing all of Illini Nation too out here. There was a lot of Illini fans. I'll give them credit. Uh, they were they really showed out here in Tampa in the orange and blue, and and uh, that was fun to see as well. What's your favorite story that you turned then? You you, you, you we've been, I, we've put you to work out there. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you're on a bull trip. Must be a lot of fun. And don't get me wrong, Andy. I had a hell of a lot of fun out here. It was great. Really, really enjoyed it. Trip has been fantastic, both professionally and personally. Um, but it is a lot of work. As yeah, you yeah. all know, going to New York and everything else, like it's, it's a full week's worth of work. But it was also a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed almost every moment except for losing my voice Thursday night for our hour <laughs> special a little bit. And then into Friday, it was really tough. Got that back. A lot of honey, a lot of tea and a lot of liquids to make sure I'm a lot of water to make sure, you know, we get that all taken care of. But fortunately it came back. I'll say though, I think my favorite piece out here was last night watching those crews, like turn that field around. Yeah. I don't know, there's just something about being in the stadium when there was very few people in there. The workers, obviously, but, like, you know, there wasn't any other media in there. I was the only one from media. And just kind of having that, like, inside access to see them work was really cool because I've never seen that before, you know? Uh, and that that was a lot of fun. Late night last night and then a quick turnaround this morning. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It was really cool. Yeah, and that is it. That is a good story. And if anyone has yet to check it out, youralanination.com. Weeks worth of a lot of content on the website right now. Uh, Brett, any final thoughts from Florida, from the ReliaQuest Bowl tonight? Uh, Illinois not closing out the season the way that they wanted to, clearly. But when you look back at the overall narrative of this season, this is a big step forward for the program and where it was when Brett Bielema took over. No doubt. And I think that's the biggest thing that we should take away from this eight and five campaign is they made a heck of a lot of steps this season. They won back to back to back games over Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. I mean, like those are teams that have just dominated Illinois in the past and they were able to consecutively win those games and compete in every other one. You know, and, and I think that's really, really significant for what this season was and what we'll remember it for. But now the steps have got to be taking moving forward. You know what I mean? Like you have to continue to take those steps moving forward for this season to be built upon. Because in the past for Illinois, for every successful season, there's usually been 
regression the next year. Yeah. Next few years after that. And I feel like Brett is really building this to be sustained success. Like he kept saying that. We've heard Josh Whitman say that all the time. They're building for sustained success. And you have to continue to put the work in to get that done. So we'll see how it goes from here. Really appreciate everybody tuning in all week long, both on air and online. Whole lot of fun to bring you guys a ton of coverage. And if you missed any of it, like Andy said, all on com. Right now, you can search for the ReliaQuest Bull tab all there in order for you. There's a lot to watch there. You could, you could spend like probably an hour, more than an hour, considering that our bull special was an hour yeah. long, just going through everything. Uh, there, there's a lot, everything you need to know about Alana football, your nation.com. All right, Brett, it's been a fun football season. We're, we're closing this chapter. It's officially basketball season now. Uh, yeah. as, as we move on next three and one podcast will be Wednesday as the men's team goes up to play, uh, Northwestern in Evanston. They need that one, not to make this a basketball podcast at that point, but they, they need that one. <laughs> Don't need, don't need to fall to zero and three in uh, in Big Ten play. Um, it's been fun. I like like I said before, it was a good season. I've enjoyed it. I know, like you've said, you've enjoyed it as well. Um, thanks everyone to list for listening out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what else there is to say about putting this season to wraps. It was a good one. Probably the best one you've covered here. Oh yeah, without a doubt, no doubt about it. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of memories made, a lot of good times on the road and covering this team, a lot of personalities on this team. I'll remember it well for a, a fun season that it was, Andy. Yeah, from Lincoln to Ann Arbor, Madison down to Tampa. We've been all over the map with Illini football this season. We appreciate you joining us on that journey. So for, for one last time in football season, as we move to basketball now, for Brett, I'm Andy. Thanks for recapping the game with us on the 3-in-1 pod, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you.